Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where books aren't just for school, where book clubs aren't just for women, and you love beer. I'm Mike. I'm Nate. I'm Jimmy. And we're the Drunk Guys, and this week we are reading You by Caroline Kepnes. And Nate, starting with the beer. This is The Things We All Do by Threes Brewing. It's about poop, isn't it? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Every, I remember that this is a guy works in a bookstore and there is a famous book called Everybody Poops. Oh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I'm just reading between the wipes. This is a very nice, it says Enigma India Pale Ale. Is Enigma a hop? And it is 6.4% alcohol. That's what it says. Anyway, it's, it's nice. It's pretty good. A little bit of a bitter aftertaste, I guess you could say. But, you know, it's really good. And uh, the things we all do, because the main character, Joe... He spends a lot of time literally just watching, just watching people doing, you know, very random everyday stuff, especially the person he's obsessed with, you know, the things we all do. I thought you were going for the meatloaf reference of he would do anything for love. Even that. (laughs) I don't think that quite fit in the name of the beer, but, uh, you know, whatever. (laughs) Okay, so... You is a thriller by Carolyn Kepnes, which came out in 2014, and you probably know it much more likely you know it from the show that came out in 2019, I want to say, 2018. Sounds about right. Yeah, 2018, because I remember watching it when my kid was first born. Like, we were, like, this was a thing we watched when we weren't sleeping. Um, <laughs> we'll get to the show at the end. Well, let's start with the book. It's, it follows the travails of Joe Goldberg, who works at a bookstore and is very much, at least in the beginning of the book, just a snobby bookstore guy. He kind of sounds like Randall from Clerks, if you've seen that movie. Hmm. No, because he's like shit-talking the books everybody's buying. He, he was being elitist about books, especially about some guy who clearly had come in to buy Dan Brown, but felt like he needed to buy some more, some literary fiction, you know, just to cover it up. And I was like, oh, I can totally relate to this. <laughs> well, there's the whole section when he shits on Stephen King readers. <laughs> The whole, you mean like half the book? He does. But like there's like a chapter of just like Dr. Sleep came out and all these mouth breathers are here to buy it and nobody reads a real book and they just read Stephen King. <laughs> he just shits on that for a while. Yeah. And uh, I was like, yeah. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong <laughs> at all. He works at a bookstore in Brooklyn. So of course he's a... East oh, no, it's in Manhattan. It's Manhattan. Yeah, Manhattan, sorry. And uh, he is, you know, just hanging out there bookstoring i don't know what else he does and then a hot young thing comes into the store to buy a book and he is he is just overwhelmed with her and he is all all about that shit her name is guinevere beck and i forgot what her siblings names were but there's like a joke like her parents were assholes and gave them all stupid first names is what they say in the book so she just goes by beck for most of the book because that's where it's at (laughs) Damn it, I was waiting to get one, to get one of those in there, but but you know, he's a real loser. But yeah, he's got, <laughs> he's got that's what he's a turntables and a microphone. What is he? No, but he does have tunnel vision for this devil's haircut. He very well might. They didn't describe his haircut. This is tunnel vision from Bearded Iris, and it's a zippy lemon melon IPA, and it's like six point eight or something. Did you say zippy? Zippy, like with made lemon with zippers, melon, uh, yeah, made with real zippers. Taste the copper. Mm. Yeah, it's an IPA. Pretty interesting. Oh. 
There's an interesting flavor in there. I don't know what it is. I guess it's lemon or melon. It's probably, it's a little lemony. Yeah, I would say it's lemony. Will it change your life? No, but I'm happy to have it now to get through this uh, intensely uncomfortable book. I wasn't that uncomfortable by it, but maybe it's because I watched the show first, so I knew what I was getting into. I mean, it wasn't like I was like, kept awake at night, but it's like, this is fucked up and weird. Well, I'm definitely really sensitive to stuff like this, I guess, but I kept feeling like, like, oh, God, stop, please. No, no, don't do that. Stop. That's, uh, that's how I felt pretty much the whole time. Yeah, I can see that. I do that with, like, cringe humor, like watching The Office. Yeah. Like, the this episode felt like Scott's that to me. Tots. That was, like, the hardest day of my life was watching that episode. <laughs> um. This I didn't find. I mean, I guess just because I was prepared. But probably when I watched... Well, the show is very different, actually. So yeah, uh, we'll save that. Uh, so he's smitten with Beck. And I forget what she's there buying. But they kind of joke about Dan Brown because she's in it. She's buying in, some uh, fucking book person's book. Like yes. Paula Fox Paula or Fox. Paula yeah. Fox. Yeah, was, I, I didn't recognize some of the names. I was like, should I, be, I should probably look these up and since we have a book podcast. They did make several friends and references, and I only know him in the fact that you guys said he's like the pretentious person's book person. Oh, he's a douche. I mean, I've, just, I've never actually suck, stuck through reading one of his books, but just watching interviews and reading things that he, about him, and it's like, this guy sucks. Though we'll have to do the corrections at some point. But they have like a little inside joke about Dan Brown or whatever, and she's a MFA student at... In creative writing. No, she didn't get into Columbia. She's She's at the new school. Uh, But she did go to Brown. They mentioned that once or twice. (laughs) Every page. Named after Dan Brown, of course. Mm -hmm. Inception. (laughs) So he is immediately infatuated with her, infatuated with her, beyond infatuated. And she... You know, he he thinks that every every action that she does from now on is essentially some like coded triple, uh, you know, reverse psychology level move to show how much she is in, interested in him. Uh, and so he just that's reads. actually kind of not the way I took it. I felt it was more like he was just imagining. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. That's he, what he but sees. not that. She was actually into him the whole no. time, and she was pretending. But he's like the book almost sounds like it's written in second person because he just keeps saying, "You do this, you do that, you feel like this, you do that all the time." It, it's almost like it's a second person, but it's not. It's in first person. Yeah, just creepy. No, I'm not. I, that's what I'm saying. Like he reads into every one of her actions what he wants to see. Yeah. So so when she like does anything he's like you did that because you want me and it's like things that don't really make sense but he just like rationalizes it and increasingly rube goldberg fashion to get the meaning he wants like when he watches her fuck a pillow through her window and thinks she must be thinking of me yeah he does that a lot she shouldn't be doing that in front of a ground floor window i mean do what you want in your home but it's a big window in a ground floor apartment she does a pillow a lot well Turns out she has a boyfriend, sort of, a guy named Benji, who is a total douche toolbag fucking weasel. I did like this one sentence I agreed very much with, besides all the other sentences he said, which were terrifying. This one, he owns an organic club soda company that symbolizes everything bad about right now. And I have a beer for this. (laughs) He makes club club soda. Almost. This is hard seltzer. And... That's almost club soda. Basically. 
Club Salsa just has uh, Molly in it. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Capital C Club Soda, yeah. That kind of Club Soda. Uh, this is Evil Water Marshmallow Mimosa, a pastry wine seltzer. What? With, yeah, I don't know. They just keep <laughs> Those adding words. that go together. <laughs> a pastry wine seltzer with marshmallow, orange, and Chardonnay grapes. That's 4.75%. I like how they could just name it and then include all those other all the ingredients as like basically synonyms for what they just said right it's like a pastry wine seltzer and then they mention chardonnay grapes like i got that that was the wine part and then it's called mimosa and they're like here's the orange and wine like it just it seems like they're using that thesaurus uh the beer the brewer's thesaurus i guess i mean i've actually never had a real mimosa am i what when I go to brunch, I just get a beer because I like fuck it. If you're just drinking, I'm gonna drink something I want. It tastes like very sweet orange juice, and that's what this tastes like. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's OJ. I mean, the marshmallow is nice. Did you get that in there? I don't think they put marshmallows in a mimosa. Only a really classy mimosa. <laughs> Only when you get like that's like the Shirley Temple of a mimosa, like it's your children's one. You put it. It's marshmallows. It's cool. That soaks up the booze. They're like campfire mimosas. Is that a band? I'm pretty sure it's a band. It better be. That has to be a band. <laughs> A band that has all their songs based on Paula Fox novels. So they're uh, all uh, Jimmy Buffett acoustic songs. Oh man, <laughs> Cheeseburger in Paradise or whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's one of his songs, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, Ben. So this is great. Uh, this is a uh, you know I, I've actually uh, I have had this sitting around for a little while, and it still tastes wonderful. So I guess pastry seltzers hold their flavor a lot better than you know. IPAs and other beers do because this is old as shit and it's really excellent. Uh, but Benji is a rich trust fund cunt and he has his frou frou salt hard soda organic hard soda, club, club soda organic club soda business, which is water and bubbles. Yes, <laughs> which I could make myself in a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> it's organic. It's locally sourced. <laughs> Very locally sourced. <laughs> Ass to table. <laughs> the book is also definitely about class. Oh, it's yeah. Not just, it's not just about, you know, the main character being a stalker. It is also about class because Beck is went to Brown and all of her friends are It's super rich, though Beck is not. I mean, she's not doing bad, but she you know, she's a townie. She's not she's super, townie, she's super duper hard. wealthy, unlike her friend who's a Salinger, you know, and then Benji, who's, you know, Total total trust fund everything you find out later. He says that he never did a single assignment. He was in an Ivy League college. He, he went, went to, to Yale. Brown. He went to Yale. He never did a single assignment, never wrote a single paper. You know, he like just paid somebody to do all his stuff and he's coasted his entire life and set up with his has an business. organic club soda company. And uh he's the one guy throughout the book that Beck really likes. I mean, she likes Joe later on, but she really likes him, but he's not very interested in her. Like, he really treats her like garbage, and she keeps coming back to him. And part of, I guess, the fun of this book is that Joe is clearly an unreliable narrator and trying to see what what is really happening is kind of, you know, it's not very hard, but you have to, you know, look at the scenarios and like see what, you know, think about it a little more critically. And I want to get back to that when we talk about the show later, because I think that's what one thing the show totally fucks up. But 
So she's interested in this guy, Benji, and she writes her crappy short stories at her program at the new school. And there's this other character who doesn't matter. Who we ever, I don't know if we even like really meet her. Um, for her name, Blythe. The other, yeah, Blythe. She she's a mentioned in passing. She's she's kind of in it once or twice, but basically she's just a name. But she just constantly shits on Beck's stories. <laughs> just like this story's not very good. Probably and, because they weren't. Yeah, they were definitely not good because Beck's, like everyone else in this book, fucking fake. <laughs> Everybody's full of shit in the book. Everybody's like hiding who they really are. And everybody is, um, you know, not only often deceived, trying to deceive the other people around them, but trying to deceive themselves. And she has, you know, the fast forward, they meet, she like buys the book from him and he's like, oh, you're interested in me. Then he like starts stalking her on social media and she doesn't have any privacy settings and he finds out where she lives and he's like watching her jill it out on her couch. And then finds out that she's going to do read one of her stories at some what must be just awful bar uh, <laughs> in Greenpoint. That's a miserable experience. Go to Greenpoint and like watch fucking grad students read their terrible stories while some hipster band with eleven banjo players plays. Oh God, there's so many banjos. And yeah, so like banjo, washboard, and theremin ensemble, <laughs> and. And drink Pabst. <laughs> I think they moved oh, on to drink Tecate now. Picklebacks, oh, which is pickle what, whiskey and pickle juice. It's whiskey oh. shot and then a shot of pickle juice afterwards. That sounds like something a mm. really messed up pregnant woman would drink. <laughs> I have drank it, and it is not as bad as you'd think, but it is not something you should keep drinking ever. You could have it once say, I've done that. I never need to do it again. But it's just a shot of whiskey and then a chaser. It's not like, wow. What inventive cocktail is this? It's literally a glass of pickle juice. But isn't the point of the chaser to kind of like get rid of the flavor of whatever you just did well, a shot a, of? a cup of pickle juice will get rid of the flavor of pretty much anything you drink. Yeah, but then you're replacing it with something far worse. It's surprisingly sweet. But then like, what do you chase that with? I mean... More like, whiskey? It just, it just, it's a vicious <laughs> cycle. Yes. And like the only thing more... I mean, I guess it's like, it's like two, two horrible things that just cancel out. But yeah. they drink a lot of picklebacks, and Joe judges them harshly for drinking them. I haven't he seen does. anyone drink them in a long time, but this came out it's back around that time. Ago. So yeah. Mm-hmm. So Joe follows her, pretend well follows her because he stalks her on Facebook and Twitter, and she says she's going to this thing. So he follows her there, he or he goes there and kind of watches her, but um, and she is like clearly very drunk. She's there with her friends who are all awful people. Like, really terrible. We're going to meet more of them a little the bit two, later. But the two friends that don't really matter. Um, but the Gustavo, um, but Benji doesn't show up. And uh, at, when, at the point where, where Beck is drunk and is basically on her way home, and she's sad, I guess. And she looks like she's going to kill herself by jumping in front of a train. Like, that's what, that's what it might be happening. But then again, it's all told from the unreliable narrator's perspective. So... It's hard to tell. But anyway, he kind of like either like puts a hand out and like picks her up and gets her gets her out of that. By the way, 
I've actually done that. Yeah, didn't she drop her phone or something? A, I was on my way home, on my way home, and a person, I was standing, there was almost nobody else waiting for the train, and a person dropped their phone, this like really big guy dropped their phone on the tracks and jumped down to get it. And then I look over and it's like, train, two minutes, like, Oh fuck! Oh no! And they went. They they went. They picked it up and like oh, put it back in their pocket and then tried to get up. But really, the distance between the tracks and like how high the the platform is, it's really like five feet or more. And and there's nothing to grab onto. So he really was having trouble. He wasn't in pull up shape. He was a big dude. Well, he was actually a very pretty athletic guy. But there's just nowhere to, you can't get your weight over the thing very well. So anyway, he was literally like. With one minute left, I'm like grabbing him by the arm, except this guy is so much bigger than me that he almost pulled me over and we almost both fell onto the tracks instead. So had to be careful about that. But anyway, he ended up getting up and then getting up on the thing with about 30 seconds left. The train pulls in and it's like, well, this is the train home. So then I got on the train. And, and everyone off. cleaned the duty out of their pants. There's symbolism there somehow. <laughs> Shake the duties yeah. down the one of their pant legs and <laughs> move on. That's the subway. You can do it on the train. It's fine. Oh, yeah. That's how you get a seat. <laughs> was it the number two train? <laughs> Actually, it was either a two oh, or a three. three. That's, That's a worst. bad day. <laughs> <laughs> That's both. That's duty math. Uh, so, uh, so Joe uh, grabs back Crap and then it's like, oh, what what's happening? Like, why'd you do that? What? And she's like, oh, I'm just so drunk. But she also had, like, left her shoes untied. But You don't untie your shoes like, when you're drinking, Nate? <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> Feet got to breathe. It definitely helped yeah. to walk. <laughs> it's almost like, but she was going to pretend, she was actually going to kill herself, but she was going to pretend that she just tripped over her shoes because she couldn't. Uh, anyway, she puts her in a cab. They're like, oh, okay, we're just going to take a cab home from here. But manages to, like, she drops her phone, and even though he knows the phone is just on the seat, she's like, oh, I can't find my phone. Oh, my God. And then gets out, and now he has her phone. So he is able to, for, like, basically the rest of the book, has her email, because apparently she only emails. Emails, text messages, no, just, no, emails. So she only emails, because she's a pretentious, you know, grad student, she said, Text messages are temporary, but emails last forever. Something like that, as she says, and that's I the think explanation. The mobile companies would disagree. Text messages are also forever, but yeah. But it's harder they to like against. find a text message. You could just search in your inbox for something. Whereas mm. if you have to scroll back to something from six months ago, that is a frustrating experience in your phone. So for the for the rest of the book, he's reading her email, the email she's sending, the email she's receiving, and has a. And, and stalking her Facebook and Twitter, so she, he knows, like, everything she's doing. He also calls in a gas leak in her apartment to get in and download all of her shit. He does something, yeah. He, he, yes. Just, like, to get it into computer access So also. he manages to break into apartment by, by, by calling in a gas leak, and then when the gas guy comes, it's like, oh, hey, you know, my girlfriend is just, uh, she's going to be here pretty soon, blah, 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 and then manages to snoop in her apartment. And also, like... Steals her underwear, and you know. So I'd like to think that that's what the the utility guy was thinking. Like, yeah, buddy, I heard that one before. Just go grab some panties and get out of here. (laughs) 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 We all got jobs and panties to sniff. Let's move it along. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so he, you know, the explanation is, and also she refuses to. She just gets a brand new phone that he doesn't have access to, 
but she leaves this phone active. Like she never. She doesn't she, cancel it because she doesn't want her cut off the, her pants. The original yeah. phone, her it, the original one was on her mom's plan, so she just didn't tell her mom that the phone was but gone. He, but but all he's getting like is that. the emails. He's so logged like if, into the cloud, so it picks up her emails and her messages, but not her phone calls. Gotcha. It's basically like a, a phone that can't make calls, but it's still connected to everything that's internet connected. It's like having an iPod. Gotcha. So he has all her information, and lo and behold, uh, and then he, well, he keeps that, and she doesn't even realize because she's fucking drunk and traumatized from almost getting hit by a train. And so then he takes her in the cab home, and then like Benji meets them there, and Benji's like, oh, hey. And she's like, you didn't come to my show? He's like, whatever, I'm going to bang you out because you're, you're trash to me. And... And, uh, and I like soda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a club I'm going to let you into. It's my pants. <laughs> um, and so then they part ways, but then, uh, you know, she she recognized, she's like, hey, I do know you. Like the whole time, she's like, I recognize you from somewhere. He's like, oh, you're the guy from the bookstore. He's like, oh, yeah, I work at a bookstore. I also bartend around here selling picklebacks. <laughs> he just... <laughs> just lies and then it's what's interesting is he is able to very easily find everybody's information but nobody ever bothers to look his shit up and find out that he's full of crap like, well he, she does mention that he doesn't have any social media right right which is a thing and smart book, man also says is don't put all your shit on the internet yeah good call it's and that was dumb. seven years ago good thing we all <laughs> learned <laughs> so uh, uh, Joe is immediately like, this Benji guy sucks. I need to get rid of him. So he actually kidnaps Benji and puts him in the dungeon that is in the bookstore. Like the bookstore has a Well, he tricks him by, he has like a fake email address that's the same name as some food critic in the New York, in New, the New Yorker or New York Magazine or something. And it's, and I forget the name. I don't know if it's even a real person's name. Probably not. But Probably he's not. like, oh, it's, you know, Bob Dole at <laughs> gmail.com, whatever the fuck email is. It's like, hey, I really want to interview about your club soda. And the guy's like, oh, sweet. It's fucking awesome, bro. And then he shows up and then he traps him in this dungeon thing, which is like a, it's like a weird safe, not a safe room, but like a, like a fireproof climate for, control for the because he works at not just any bookstore it's not like he works at like barnes and noble or borders it's a rare and used bookstore as well so it has you know like signed first editions of hemingway and shit like that floating around and so those are all stored in this room and and that's where he locks benji up who oh, did i mention he has club soda oh <laughs> i have yeah. another i have another hard <laughs> seltzer here this is evil water Gummy bears. It's a pastry seltzer with, anyone want to guess what's in this? Swedish fish. Real bears. <laughs> and gum. Oh, God. Um, it's gummy bears. It's chewy. Which, drinking this, it does kind of taste like gummy bears, but I realized that gummy bear is really a textural experience. It's not a flavor. <laughs> you know, it's about like chewing something. You're like, this, this isn't, I'm not sure this is 100% food. You know, like when you chew in a gummy bear. <laughs> it's horse hooves. Like, it's horse hooves and, or like the thing you put on the end of like your shower door so it doesn't sl- shatter when you close it too hard. You know, <laughs> like that, that like gummy material, whatever that is called. Yes. Is it silicone? It could be silicone, yeah. 
This is made out of fake tits. Uh, mm. I mean, this is good for a seltzer. It just kind of it just ends up having like a fruit, like a generic fruit flavor. You know, like oh, but this which is color bear is it? Tropical fruit flavored seltzer. But yeah, that's what that exactly what it is. On the can, it's a red bear. But I, I really couldn't. I really you. hope they didn't just only put the red bears <laughs> and leave the other ones in. They'd be lonely. Which the part of the part of me that's as my wife reminds me regularly, that's definitely on the spectrum, loves the idea of separating the gummy bears by color. That sounds like a really not important part of the brewing process. <laughs> it's someone's job, damn it. But speaking of jobs... Yogis. Someone Yogis? gave us this job that pays us less than minimum wage, but we do it anyway. Oh, yeah. Who does that? Well, the people over at uh, the fine folks at Patreon. And if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash Club. And you could become a patron, and uh, in return for your money, we will do all sorts of things. Some things we can't even say on the air, because <laughs> they're not very exciting. But <laughs> 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 you can get early access to our podcast, vote in our monthly book poll, get exclusive content, and even tangible things. And uh, if you recommend a book and you are a patron, we definitely listen. If you're not a patron and you recommend a book, we almost always listen to. <laughs> but if you want to be sure, that's what you got to do. So thank you. Thank all of yous. It's plural, gentlemen. There's many of them. Yes. Y'all. Thank y'all. Uh, y'all can be singular. All y'all is plural. I heard that's only in like parts of the South. Other parts are like no one says. That's yeah, stupid. Yes, every parts. <laughs> every parts. <laughs> <laughs> so he's got this uh, douchebag trapped in his um, book cage and... Then he starts doing some creepy torturing stuff, and he tortures the hell out of him by making him drink his own club soda. Well, he says, like, he gives him three samples, like, which one of these is your club soda? And he's like, don't make me taste it. The flavor gets <laughs> adulterated by this poor humidity. <laughs> like, he just makes all sorts of excuses. These are not ideal conditions. I need a palate cleanser between, between tastes. Yeah. <laughs> I need a fine sorbet. And he's like... It's B. It's B, right? Or was no, it B? He says C? they're all he says, his soda. Well, he 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 said oh, no, but but oh, Benji yeah. guesses. It, oh, it was it was B, right? It was B. Yeah, yeah. That's that's is that your final answer? Yes, yes, that's my final answer. It's like they were all your club soda. They're all <laughs> shit. You're a lie. He also makes him uh, write. Tell me what are your five favorite books, and then he gives him tests on them. <laughs> oh yeah, book <laughs> report he, torture. And he gets, and it's a guy, and he reveals like, I fuck, fuck it, I never read any of them, and I forgot, I can't remember what his favorite books were now. Oh, uh, I, this, I wrote this down because it was really funny. Um, it's about he wrote down Gravity's Rainbow. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he never read it because he said that he was too sensitive, and just reading about it made him feel like he read it. I bet there are real people who would say that sentence. Not joking, no, <laughs> like assholes. <laughs> I understand it enough. And, uh, and he put, he put like, he just listed like the five most pretentious books he could name is uh, what he did. One was David Foster Wallace. Oh, it was Brief Interviews with Hideous Men, he listed. Something like that. Which uh, I've read that's a short story collection, which is a really random book to say it's your favorite book. Well, he hadn't read any of them, so. Oh, no, the one he had read was Red Badge of Courage, but he didn't get that it was a joke. Or oh, he yeah. didn't get that it was really about. We should, we've never done that, right? We haven't done that. No. Courage. We should. No. A, now I'm not sure I know what it was about. <laughs> it was about the guy fighting in the war. But yeah, I remember that. What it was really about was 
uh, was it Steinbeck or Crane, Stephen Crane? No, Stephen Crane. Oh, that Stephen he, Crane actually he, he had couldn't him done fight it. in the war, and he felt bad about not fighting in the war. And everyone was like, "Dude, your book is so good; it really got me." He's like, "I didn't fight in the war. I'm a fucking fraud." And he was miserable for the rest of his life. I really just remember the wishbone episode of it, and <laughs> I feel like that got to the crux, the point of it anyway. Yeah, because that dog also didn't fight in the war. Well, no, no, he didn't. That dog's been dead for twenty years. <laughs> um, so. Do you know Wishbone, Nate? Do you know what we're talking? About? I know. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, I do. So he tortures Benji, and I mean, ultimately kills Benji by the Benji, power of these nuts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what is nuts? Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> Benji is one of those people who's like always complain, like, "Oh, I need to have it with my coffee needs to be with almond milk," and you know, I can't have this thing because I'm very sensitive. And then Joe's like, "Fuck, can't I have you, gluten's. You suck, dude." And Joe got him organic food and stuff like that, even though he's literally being held, held hostage. No, not hostage. He's literally been kidnapped and Came he's going to be murdered. $20 salad. Like, still, <laughs> still, yeah. fucking, that's, yeah, that's, you're you're chopped. Yeah, that's, that's what it costs. So, this whole time, uh, and so, uh, Joe has, has Benji's social media and it's just posting like, oh, I'm off to blah, blah, blah. Doing all the cocaine. And then goes to... <laughs> Hashtag blow yeah. on a tw- hooker's tit. Like, it just, it's very unsubtle, his posts. And then Joe takes his bank card and goes to uh, Connecticut into an ATM and just withdraws some money and then kills Benji. And doesn't even... He gives him peanuts. He kills him when he's nuts. (laughs) We weren't joking. (laughs) We are serious. This is a serious book podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's educational. And uh, how how does he dispose of the body? He burns it on the beach. Yeah, which which really yes. doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, that was a little unrealistic. I guess if it was Long Island, though, no one would miss another trash fire out there. So, but like he just burns them with like driftwood. That's a lot of driftwood. <laughs> well, he said he like l- researched how to do it and like keep it burning for a long time. But it was very unrealistic. You could burn a body on a beach that, that would take a that while. quickly. He'd be well done at best. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he burns his body on the beach. But he he keeps posting things and and convincing the everybody who follows him that he's gone onto some like drug druggy drug bender, and that is part of you know, everyone's like, oh yeah, he struggled with addiction, so yeah, he must have done, he did that, and it's very and they they just believe it, and actually they never question it after <laughs> the rest of the book that no one ever questions. Maybe maybe Benji didn't die. No, of, they, you um, know. Well, later on they find his boat wrecked because a storm just happened to like wreck his oh, boat. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, he must have died on the boat. We'll never find it in the ocean. Yep. Well, you get the impression that nobody misses him because the mom actually says, my son died sailing. He died doing what he loved. I feel this is the luckiest day of my life. It's <laughs> something like that what the mom says. And you're like, what? Now I don't have to hear about organic club soda anymore. I'm just so lucky that he died at 24 in a, doing a thing he liked as opposed to dying at 24 doing something he wasn't thrilled about. <laughs> you know, like good parents say. <laughs> like reading. So he's dead. And, and we're and, only uh, 11% of the book. <laughs> oh, yeah, Jesus. He's dead. So, okay. So um, uh, Joe manages to, like, basically... St- it sort of like it manages to get Beck to go on some dates. And then she's like definitely interested in him, but she's not. But at first they like don't, but they don't, they don't have sex, at least definitely not right away. 
Um, they're like, can I go on this date? And they do this other thing. And uh, he's just kind of like waiting for a while. And he's also like obsessively reading her emails and text messages. And it's like, when is she going to say, hey, let's go do this thing? And then he gets invited to, uh, he he puts together a bed. She's like, oh, let's go to, let's go to Ikea. Because she just loves shopping. And then he like, and then he ends up going to Ikea with her. And then he ends up putting together the bed that she buys at Ikea. He ends up assembling it, except right when he's like working on it, Beck's friend Peach arrives. She's the pits. And Peach, <laughs> and she is uh, super wealthy and it does, and she's a Salinger. Like she's basically J.D. Salinger's granddaughter, though it doesn't say, he's like, oh, we, d- we don't ask that. You know, we just don't, we just don't ask it's just not a thing, you know. Anyway, I have a beer for that. This is called The Sour Peach by Sloop. They didn't say what kind of boat Benji had. Could have been a Sloop. <laughs> Could have been. This is a Berliner Weiss style sour ale brewed with peaches. Hey, yeah, this is good. It's not too sour. I mean, it's a little, it's definitely tart, but not too sour. And definitely tastes a little bit just like a peach. Little. I would say only a little bit. Like a peach snapple? Not not even that much. <laughs> mm, I would say it's missing something from the peach some from like the peach snapple flavor. Only because this is sour and not mm. sweet. And peach normally has a lot of yeah. sugar in it. So if you kinda like took the sugar out of the peach part, then that's kind of what this tastes like. But it's good. Definitely good. And peach is definitely very sour. Peach sucks. She really blows hard. <laughs> She is. She's got a shitty bladder. There's the whole. <laughs> she has this whole like medical it's condition. Yo, oh, yeah. I mean, it is real, but she doesn't have it. Yeah, because she even says like at one point. I think even Beck calls her. I was like, but I thought you're not supposed to eat that when you have this. And she's like, oh, it's complicated. She did. She said at one point, like, I can have these things if I eat a lot of rich goat cheese beforehand to coat my stomach. It's like, oh, it's a rich person's disease then. Yeah, I have vain douchebag syndrome. I can only have this. I can only have Evian and caviar. I can't eat that Seven Eleven burrito right now. <laughs> and Peach is like very needy, uh, and is always like, um, you know, oh Beck, I need your help. Oh, I need you to do this thing. Oh, why don't you stay with me? Oh, blah blah blah. You you do find out probably about halfway through the book. Yeah, so so about halfway through the book, Joe ends up breaking into okay no break into her apartment he ends up talking peach too he goes to the party and he meets peach first and he like is introduced to that world of the super rich brown people as people who went to wealth as opposed to wealthy (laughs) people from india the subcontinent (laughs) those kind of brown people i did have a question about that they never mention it what is brown's team name is it the derbies the shits That's a much less popular horse race, the Brown Derby. (laughs) It's popular in Germany. (laughs) They have it like every day. It's weird. The whole season of it. So he has this party and he learns every one of her friends is a douchebag and Peach sucks. Uh, So, but he eventually breaks into Peach's place and does a bunch of bad shit because he's a meanie guy. But he finds out that Peach is clearly like sexually attracted to Beck, like it's not just about because Peach as is, is everyone in the book. Everyone wants to fuck her. Yeah, yeah. 
Everybody. And she fucks almost everyone in the book. But the... Except for Peach. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, they get close. They get close. Almost. Almost. They, 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 they got past first base. <laughs> but yeah, clearly clearly uh, Peach wants to fuck Beck. Because she has like Polaroids of Beck sleeping with like her tit hanging out and shit like that. And he's like, I get it. You're my competition now. And yeah, but then he douche. jacks off and comes on her clothes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he does that a few. He jacks off a lot. And he finishes almost immediately every time. Yeah, he's it's it's impressive. It's like the opposite of Tantra. <laughs> Tantrum. <laughs> he's like an Olympic athlete. He's gotten it. He's he's chasing that sub ten second <laughs> one hundred meter. Well, later on when they do bang, he does achieve the sub ten second, and that's a big running joke. Well, the first well, in the show and in, in the book, it's different. And, and so the first time they, she he finally convinces Beck to fuck him. He comes instantly. Yeah. And she's like, that's cool. And then ghosts him. <laughs> uh, I forget the exact order of what's happening, uh, how it happens in the middle of section of the book. But uh, eventually she goes kills, to he the... He kills Peach. He go, they go to the house... The Peach and Beck go away to the uh, her family house in Connecticut. Wait, we're we're it's missing Island, the oh, we're, we're missing, missing the, the like Renaissance the festival? Charles Dickens festival. The oh, Charles yeah. Dickens festival, and then he like Beck gets this message from you know Captain something or other at gmail dot com, and she's like, "What? What is?" It? He's like, "Yes, I'll be there at in Bridgeport, Connecticut tonight." And he's like, what? She's sleeping with some fucking random person. And it finds out it's actually her father. He's not sleep- she's not sleeping with her father. And it's she's just been that- saying to everyone her father's dead. That's yeah, but no actually experience for her. the father just left and just walked out in the family and was just has another wife. She says no. he was a drug, drug addict. Right. Okay. She, she says it, but it turns out he died. wasn't. He just yeah. left his mom for a different piece of gash. Yep. So she so she goes there, and he follow, So Joe follows her to Bridgeport, Connecticut, and says how awful it is in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And then um, he so he's got this like you know Renaissance out costume on and following her, and he thinks she's seen him, and he's like running away, and like, but instead she ends up at his apartment. And he only narrowly manages to keep her from finding all of her stuff that's everywhere. Not just her underwear, but also, like, all the other stuff that he's stolen from her. Not just her phone, but also, like, all the stuff that's... What is, what is he? The book box of Beck? The, the box book of Beck. Of Beck? Beck. Box. Like the collector set like... has all the albums and the B-sides. <laughs> it's the box set. And a tampon. A used yes. tampon. A used tampon. For making tea. And when she, when he finds when she finds it much later in the book, she's like, "That's a fucking tampon." He's like, "It's in plastic." Like he corrects, like, uh, it's he was going to have it laminated, but they wouldn't do it. It's in mint condition. So anyway, they like they, anyway they, they 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 go on some dates and they're like kind of boyfriend girlfriend, but then she goes him, and then eventually she goes up to Connecticut with Peach to their, like, beach house, you know, beach house in Connecticut. It wasn't Rhode Island? I don't know why I thought it was Rhode no, Island. No, it was Rhode Island, right. What was the name of the town again? It was something... 
Something stupid. Rich cunt lane because it was mansions that nobody lives in. Yeah. Another element of the class thing in the book. So Joe, he's going up there and he like crashes his car into a deer. Why? And then, oh yeah, gets hits the deer and then he goes right into a tree. And then he's like bleeding, but he's like literally right like 50 feet from the house from Peach's, you know, Salinger mansion. And right 50 feet from the house. And he goes up and he's like, leaking blood everywhere and he's kind of looking at the windows and then he finds like an empty garage next door or an empty boathouse i think it was and like goes to sleep and a police officer is like hey you there vagrant <laughs> what are you doing here but he manages to like sweet talk he's just because he's really good at making he's got that bullshit. boat hat on yo yeah that's right he's like oh you did the regatta and he's like oh yeah I love boats. <laughs> and he manages to give a fake name, but then says, oh, where's your ID? Oh, I don't have it on me. I got mugged. And then he, yeah, oh, yeah, he's got a story for everything, goes to the hospital, they fix him up, and then he's, like, gonna, he gets the cop to give him a ride to the train station, but instead of getting on the train to go back to New York, he just goes back to the house and, like, stalks the house. And, and he's in a mug. Yeah, he breaks into the house to, like, listen to them, and that's where he sees Peach's photographs of beck when she was he saw that in her at her house at the party i thought oh this is where he watches beck and fucking what's her name peach 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 is just insufferable and she's like oh you know it's this gore-tex is so clingy when you're sweating in the winter chill like she's just obnoxious better go down on you to not be sweaty and then she's like how about you go to the country and eat you a lot of peaches like the (laughs) presidents of the united states would say you know that song no i do yes uh but hadn't joe already tried to murder peach when she was on her morning he hit her in the head with a rock central park yeah yeah because she jogged and and uh, he, and then he, she convinced that she is a stalker, so that's why they go to Rhode Island. But everyone's kind of like, again, Peach, really? Because <laughs> she's just always doing things and making demands that have and, and claims that have no basis in reality for attention. Uh, and then he sends... Oh, and one of the things that pisses off Beck is he sends like a get well thing or something. He sends like flowers in a balloon. And they're like, that balloon was really insensitive. It's like It was from the get well section of the website. But it was really not. It was not nice because like any just a smiley face balloon. But like anything. But the thing is, like Peach recognizes Joe as a threat to her getting into that Beck. It's crazy nose crazy. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, the new pollution. <laughs> there you go. So they go to the thing, and he sees them, and the Peach is like going down her a little bit. But then she's like, "Uh, no, don't do that." And then. She's like, it's cool. Don't worry. And then she runs out onto the beach, and uh, Joe drowns her in, a, in the ocean, right? Or hit her in the head. Oh, with he, 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 he her and then dumps her, her body in the ocean and, and yeah. weights her down with rocks. She pl- and then he frames it as a as a plaque. And then takes Peach's phone and then writes an email. Beck, I have to leave. And blah blah blah. And makes it and and. Basically writes a, not a, I killed myself note, but just like, oh, I have to leave. Goodbye. You know, just like have fun at the house, blah, blah, blah. But then her body isn't found for months later. But it is found. Ugh, and there's still so much so much stuff that happens. But they're still like not together. And somewhere along the way, he like gets another, he starts, oh no, 
he finds out that she's seeing a therapist who's a guy who just has a master's degree. Like, that's a strange type of therapist to go to if you live he's, in New York City. Who's named Nikki. Dr. And he's Nikki. really likes classic rock. Yeah. Yeah. Which, ma- cool which makes him edgy for Brooklyn, I guess. And he wears <laughs> vans. He doesn't wear a suit and tie. Mm. He's a cool dude and he plays like bass guitar. Like no cool people do. Oh, no. Yeah. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy went to college for bass guitar. <laughs> Only once. <laughs> that was Only sad. one degree in that. Yeah. That's all. Just one degree. Uh, it's a, oh, Joe finds out that Beck is going to see this therapist. So Joe makes up a fake name and goes to see the same therapist and talks to him. And he's actually a cool guy. And Joe says, well, I have just obsessive compulsive disorder. And I, I'm, I'm obsessed with this music video and just kind of makes up shit. How could anyone not see through that? I don't know. It's, it's stupid. But he's just trying to find out. And then, and then eventually spills one thing. It's like, oh, yes, well, no, I'm having problems at home with my wife. And then eventually he's like, you know, uh, Nikki leaves the room and Joe is able to get onto his computer and download all of the notes he took about his meetings with Beck, which are apparently audio recordings or something like that. Anyway, so he gets them and finds out that Beck is fucking him too, like in the office, I think. But along the way, there's this like a little like diversion where Joe gets a girlfriend, which I think was cut out of the show. I don't remember that. No, no, it's in the show. Oh, was it? I remember. Yeah. It's been a while since I watched it. Yeah. Joe does get a girlfriend and she's like a, a nurse, I guess. Yeah. And she's and cool, she is a cool also, broad from Long Island. She's very working class and not pretentious and all. She's none of the things that Joe says he kind of hates about people, or at least the people around Beck. And she she loves him, but he's just like, nope, I just don't. But he's she's like, so part of the thing that's along, along, all along the book is Joe actually doesn't care about anything about Beck. He just wants to fuck her. Like he he just ex- he just explains all of her personality things, and he's not consistent, and you know she's not she's not the cultured cool person he thinks he wants her to be. But whenever she does something that's like uncult, like not cool or not hip, he's like, "Oh, that's so cool that you're not hip." And then when she does something that's cool, he's just explaining it to himself because he wants to fuck her. Well, he's also crazy. Oh, he's batshit crazy. But this other girl from Long Island is also just batshit crazy about fucking him and is like, you know, not to say like that's why you should marry somebody, but like she's like <laughs> she's like devoted to him and just like wants to like bang him and feed him all the time. Like a, like a Long Island man's dream. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, she doesn't like to read. That's how you know a lady wrote this book. <laughs> it's like if some hot thing was like, listen, I just want to bang you all the time and do all, also do all the domestic things and also have a job. Wouldn't you be like, let's see where this goes? Like, this isn't this doesn't seem that bad. He's like, no, I really want the other girl who's not interested in me and is a shit writer and doesn't actually read books but pretends to be. Like, he just he just he just deludes himself constantly. I guess again part of the unreliable narrator thing. So he ends up breaking up with her and then tries to murder Nikki. But just as he's about to murder him, he gets a phone call 
and it's Beck. And Beck is like, oh my God, want to like, want to date tonight? And so they do. And then they're basically together. Oh, is, is that when she finds out that Peach is dead? No, one of them, uh, some, 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 like she's like all upset because, you know. She find, Benji, she found out Benji was dead earlier. I think she finds out Peach is dead while they're together together. Something like that. But anyway, so they end up like actually getting together and actually fucking like a lot. I have a beer for that. For for a matter of for several weeks, they are they are rutting uh, for those weeks. <laughs> Wouldn't you say it's <laughs> it's like a rhapsody of bones? <laughs> he is just laying pipe, but actually he really uh, prides himself on his oral technique, <laughs> and he's and she's a happy recipient of uh, of his cunning linguistics and. Uh, they just, they just, uh, they just bone all the time, and and then he's happy because all he really wanted to do was fuck her. But this is a beer called Rhapsody of Bones, which is an imperial style from KCBC, which we have had at some point. I have had at some point. It is uh, an imperial style with strawberry, vanilla, and milk sugar that is coming in at a modest fourteen percent alcohol. It is nice. It is. It is. The the longer I hold on to these cans, I should have bought twice as much because it is kind of mellowed out. The bitter roasted flavors of it that were really eclipsing the strawberry have kind of mellowed out, and the the strawberry flavor is much more pre- prevalent. And I think also part of uses warrior hops. They say actually label that on the thing. Warrior hops are a pretty aggressive bittering hop. I don't know how much they use. You don't have to use if you don't use a lot. It doesn't necessarily mean you have a very bitter beer, but I think it's kind of mellowed out uh, to make a almost like a German chocolate cake, you know, black forest cake kind of thing. You know, with the a lot of chocolate flavors and uh, the, the little bit of dark fruit coming through. It's really good. But one, of the, but we don't know yet at this point in the book that Guinevere is fucking Dr. Nikki. No. We don't find that out yet. Well, okay. No, you, she, it was in one of the, one of the like notes. That... We know he wants to fuck her. Yes. And, and, and he's like, that's why he was going to kill him. But he doesn't know that, he doesn't know if anything happened past that. All right. Because he gets it off of her phone again. And her MacBook Air. I, f- I feel like you do. I feel like in the notes that he d- was able to download from the computer that they were. But you, but then they were, but then Joe and Beck are together, so he assumes that they stopped. But that might have been not true. Maybe I'm misremembering. Okay. Final, final part of the book, I guess, is that they're together, but then suddenly she's making up little things like... Um, you know, oh, I have to go and do this thing. Oh, I have so many pages I have to write and blah, blah, blah. And she's not breaking up with him, but just kind of like not quite as into it as she was before. And then he breaks back into her apartment and finds a brand new MacBook Air, which she had mentioned that she had wanted him to buy her, but he didn't. And then she sees it there like, wait, what is this? And finds out and look, looks on it and sees that she has a new email address. Well, he uses, she uses an excuse for like why she can't see him one day. She's like, oh, I need to go here to work on my paper. And he's like, don't well, like use your fucking computer. And she's like, oh, my computer is so crappy. I got to go do this. And he's like, I should just buy you a new one. And then they're like, ha, ha, ha. He never like offered. It just kind of like went away in passing. And then it comes back up and it's like a brand new one. And look at the screensaver. 
Oh, wait, no. She is over at his apartment and finds and actually looks in the hole in the wall where Joe has hidden all this stuff. First, he finds out that she's fucking Nikki, and and that's why she's blowing him off. I think it's the other way around. Maybe it's the other way around in the because when he finds when she finds out in the book because I don't remember the show these details of the show very well but in the book when he when she he confronts her or she confronts him in his apartment with the box of fucking weird shit like tampons and toenail clippings or whatever he has in there he he um that's when he knocks her out yeah he knocks her out and that's like the rest of the that's it then he takes her to the dungeon. He finds out before that, and he's, like, heartbroken. And it, and it might be, like, right before that. I don't remember the exact, like... But that's, like, the last thing that happens between them. I feel like when she confronts him about the all of his, like, you know, box of craziness and then locks her in the th- dungeon, and then he goes to her apartment and finds the MacBook, and then... Okay. And then it's like, oh, oh you're yeah. actually... You have been sleeping with Dr. Nikki, and then gives her a test... Kind of like a book test, except they end up reading Dan Brown. She doesn't say which her. Dan Brown. It's Da Vinci Code. They read Da Vinci Code. Oh, was it Da Vinci Code? Because okay. that was the book she had bought in like the Italian version of the Da Vinci Code. Oh, yeah. And neither of them had ever read it, so they could bond over reading it together. But at this point, she realizes how much of a crazy person is his, and then how he's locked her in there, and she's trying to trying to like convince him to just let her out, trying to cooperate to convince him to let her out, but that's obviously not going to happen. And she tries to escape, but the she tries she gets she manages to get out of the dungeon because she fucks him in the dungeon, and uh, he's like, "Ah, oh, this is better now. Everything's good now. Everything's what the way it's supposed to be. I don't even need to lock the door because we're back together." And he kind of yeah. like dozes off, and then she runs away to try to break out of the bookstore. And when just to go back a little bit when. Beck finds the box of Joe's crazy uh, crazy stuff that he's collected about her. And he's all incredulous. Like, why are you mad at me? Like, and she's like, this is fucked up. It's fucking it was weird, dude. Really, really creepy. At this point, it's, you know, totally mental. And then so she tries to escape, but then can't because the door of the bookstore is locked. And it's like the middle of the night or something like that. Anyway, and so he just he just murders her. And she even pretends to be dead. But that she's actually not dead, or maybe she just wakes back up and then tries to run away again, and then he just has to murder her. And then he makes her eat the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, he like rips out a bunch of pages and stuffs them in her mouth. Which is basically what it's the Da Vinci symbol. Code is good for. <laughs> you can listen to our episode on the Da Vinci Code, which is one of our earliest episodes. Season one. It's like episode it's seven like or Before I was even here. Yeah, Jimmy wasn't yeah. on the podcast. The good old days. It's like... <laughs> When I allowed you guys to do Dan Brown. <laughs> that and the snowman. <laughs> <laughs> and then he disposes of Beck's body. And then the book ends with a sort of this other with this other girl walking into the bookshop and being like, hey. And then he's thinking, oh, I'm going to have a relationship with her instead in the process of starting over. But then the end and he frames the doctor for It's only her. like oh, yeah, one murder, murder, sentence yeah. in the book. It's a throwaway sentence. He, like, when he buries her near the doctor's house because he mentioned he has a, uh, uh, like a place upstate that he goes to on the weekends or something like that. And he buries her on that land or something. 
And then later on, there's like a one line, like, and then the the therapist, that the murderous therapist you saw, or something like that. In the show, it's much more explicit. They had all those like emails between the two of them, like, ah, I left my wife for you, you dirty bitch. And she's like, oh, sucks to be you, asshole. Well, yeah. So what we learn is that Beck, Beck, you know, they all the characters are fucked up and and have issues. And Beck is like her thing. She she's shitty, but she has like weird daddy issues, and she uses sex as like a tool to get people and then like doesn't like once she has them she like loses interest in them and she does it with joe she does it with and the only you know once guys are have banged her then they want to keep banging her and she could turn them away and i guess that's you know the armchair psychologist would say because her father left now she can control the situations and tell the men when they can leave sort of thing but that's why Benji was the one guy she liked and kept going after because he like fucked her and he like he didn't care, whereas all the other guys do care, mm. you know. So she like breaks up Doctor Nikki's marriage just because she can, and you know she's she's pretty manipulative and destructive in her own way. Obviously, not nearly as awful as Joe is. She never killed anybody. She didn't kill anybody, but she's a shitty person. Oh yeah, they're all shitty people. They're Everyone all in the book people. is shitty. Everyone sucks. Even the guy we totally ignored, his assistant at the bookstore, who in the show, they changed this a lot. just one guy. Curtis, the guy who works at the bookstore. So I don't know if he's ever explicitly black in the, books, in the book. In the, in, the sh- in the book, there's the one guy at the beginning, Curtis, who's like the stoner douchebag. Yeah. And then after he gets fired yeah. by Joe and he comes back and robs the place, he hires Ethan, the happiest fat boy in the world. And in the show, it with Blythe? yeah, and the show is just Ethan the whole time. They just kind of remove that other character entirely. So, there's two things I, I want us to talk about, plus whatever you want, I guess. <laughs> uh, one, Nate identified it already. The like the issue of class in the book, like that's something that comes up a lot and is really hard to ignore, and it's totally missing in the show. Or it's maybe it's there, but it's really not barely. If at it's all, it's not what it is in the book. What do you guys make of that? So I thought that the the stuff about class, he was like, oh, he's totally right. You know, he the way I mean, it got a little bit ridiculous. It's kind of an exaggerated version of all of these sort of class issues and really really rich people just being terrible. But you know, there was something true about it also, and I thought that part was really funny, like really funny and well done. Well, it comes out in the plot of the book that Joe never went to college, but he's the smartest guy, right? Like, Beck is always impressed with his knowledge of books because he's read every book and he knows so much about books because that's that's his world. And all the people that she goes to school with who are the ultra-privileged literature students who went to Ivy League school, like, they actually don't know shit. You know, Benji faked everything. Beck doesn't know anything either. Peach, who is related to J.D. Salinger, is a fucking phony too. You know, good good reference. Right? <laughs> <laughs> They're all just. It's it's like a it's like a really weird, warped twenty first century Horatio. Uh, is it Horatio Alger? Is that what it's called? Uh, what were those called? Horatio Alger. Yeah. Yeah, Horatio Alger story like. Joe is the, he like made himself, but of course, in the flashbacks in the book that are with Mr. Moody, the guy that owns the bookstore, he fucking abused Joe. <laughs> like he Joe was him in the cage for days when somebody stole a book, stole like an, a very valuable book from the store. And after nine eleven, 
Well, it was it was during nine eleven. Oh, okay. And then after nine eleven, when Joe's dysfunctional father never called to find out what happened to his kid, they were like, "You're free now." <laughs> That's what he like, said. Like, I? You're free, mm-hmm. kid. Because Joe is a born and bred bedstyer. Who you know, he's poor, and everyone else is book. Except, except Beck is also. She's not poor, but she was the girl from Nantucket. Where everyone else had their rich people Who didn't have summer a dick homes. So long, <laughs> but she found them. She found them all. She found all the ducks and sucked it. Uh, but them? so I mean, they're the, they're the poor ones, but they're both. I mean, everyone's terrible. So I don't know if the class thing comes into that part because everyone's trash. Except Ethan, he's a nice guy. Ethan's a nice guy. That's why he doesn't get murdered at the end. Of the <laughs> and he ends up. He, Ethan ends up with the uh, the, 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 the one who's the actually brutal, a good writer. The brutal feedback, yeah. <laughs> Blythe. Ugh. Which, no. Isn't no Blythe poor, an adjective also? No poor person names their child Blythe. That's, like, they won't let you. You try. No, 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 no I'm <laughs> sorry. You says no. You filled this out wrong. <laughs> You're not in the right oh, income sorry. bracket. That's not you a You filled thing. it out blithely. Oh. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what blithely even means, though. Picture a person named Blythe. Blythe Danner <laughs> is the only one. And she produced Gwyneth Paltrow as a child. Oh, God. So. That is, that's, that's a crime against humanity. You could, yeah, it is. It's a goopy yeah. name. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually I'm looking it up now because I thought it meant kind of like happy or like, I keep getting Blythe, a female given name. Fuck, no, am I it's Blythe with an I. Oh, that's why I'm fucking this up. <laughs> That's how often I use this word on my book podcast. Uh, he said blithely. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Jinx. Without thought or regard, carefree. Okay. Which well, she's Blythe actually, is actually very careful in this. Yeah. But without thought or regard, not in a good way. Not carefree in a good way. Yeah. So like carefree Negligent? in a not good kind way. Kind of. It's kind of just like a, like you don't give a shit. Like apathetic? Maybe. Yeah. Similar. Not a bad way to go through life, I guess, in some instances. So, yeah, the class thing really stuck out because... But I guess I guess it's like Beck wants to very much to belong to this upper class and Joe doesn't. Well, Joe does too. Well, Joe, not that... He, okay, he doesn't quite want to belong to it, but he feels he's superior to it. It's like, why do they have all this? You know, why do they... How come they have all this money? I'm smart. I totally than understand them. that. I totally appreciate that position coming from the not great part of Queens I came from. <laughs> you see people who are much richer and like fuck these people. Yeah, your your town next the town next to yours was wildly different. And really wealthy. And the town yeah. where I lived was not. I mean, not to say it was the worst place in New York, it certainly wasn't, but if you grow up in a place if you are aware of that from a young like you definitely it is easy to have a sort of attitude of Fuck those people. They don't deserve it. They're dicks. They are. And and in this book, every character he meets who is rich is a douchebag. They all suck. They all suck. And so I, I totally empathize with Joe in that one aspect of it. The whole like <laughs> murdering people and like collecting tampons, like not really my thing. He calls it moon blood. He does actually. I He's called that. it moon blood. Like, is that like, what is that? <laughs> So what was the second thing? <laughs> the second thing I wanted to discuss? No, the, um, the other thing was 
how does this compare with the show? So I watched the show before I read the book, and I watched it now almost three years, two and a half years ago. I watched it. I don't remember the last very well. Three days. Nate, did you watch it? I turned on the first episode and was immediately like, "Oh God, no, no, <laughs> please stop!" And so then didn't watch the rest of it. So I think, I think actually, I mean, first off, it's, it shouldn't be a surprise that I would say the book is better than the movie or the show because it's pretty much always what we say. Yeah, but I think the show loses something really important that makes the book interesting. And the book, you know, he's an unreliable narrator. So you have to look at everything he describes and be like, mm, is that really what happened here? Whereas the show, it shows characters doing things. And mm, yeah, and it therefore aligns up with his weird descriptions. And then you get, he make, basically what it ends up doing is it makes him way less creepy in the show. He's almost like, you're almost pulling for him in the show. Yeah. Like he does some creepy things. He, does, well, he kills people. But in the sh- my main problem with the show was they changed, they got the broad strokes the same, but they changed a lot of stuff, which really kind of changes the entire point of the book, I think. Which, like, he kills Benji, but Benji had a video where he killed a kid in a hazing accident. So you're like, oh, he was a murderer. I guess it's okay that he died, or it's a little bit better. And when he kills Peach... Peach takes a shot at him, or two shots at him. She almost kills him too, but he kills her after oh, yeah, he she shot tried her to kill with him. Her own gun, yeah, yeah. He like she shot him in the leg. So it was like, oh well, that was you know he was still trying to kill her, but she tried to kill him, and she was much more openly crazy in this in the show. But the the thing about the show that really I didn't like was in the book Beck is shitty. She's a bad person. In the show, she is like the perfect girl, just unwitting victim. All these bad things happen to her, and all these people around her are terrible, but she's just trying her best. She's a poet in the show, because it's easier to write less that way, I guess. I don't know. They can um, actually read a poem on an episode. Yeah, not like a whole like short could... story. <laughs> but So they change her entirely and make her like this good girl who just has bad things happen to her. And for me, that that changed a lot of it because try, what are they trying to say? Like she was shitty in the book, but is that okay then that it happened to her? Like in the show is like, she's this girl who didn't deserve it. Like, was it too complicated? People say, well, she sucked too. She still doesn't deserve to get stalked and murdered. It's just kind of like this, like, I don't know. It, it, it didn't sit right with me where she's not allowed to be shitty. Otherwise what, you're not going to feel bad for her. I, I don't know. But it's interesting. You said that in the show, you kind of root for Joe. Yeah, it's it's way cheerier in tone. I was actually thinking about that too. Not that I saw the show, but you do. I actually felt myself in a little in a little way, just because Joe is the protagonist, kind of hoping he succeeds. And I think that's probably the nature of just stories in general. But you know, even even antihero characters like in Breaking Bad, you were of course rooting for what's his name, Walt. Walt. Of course you're rooting for him, even though Malcolm's he's actually dad. become a terrible person. Yeah. <laughs> murdering people, you know, making drugs, murdering people all the time. But of course you're still rooting for him. And even in um, the other, one of the other big antihero books we did, um, Clockwork Orange, even though the main character in that, who I've totally forgot his name. Um, uh, Alex. Alex is the worst person. 
Yeah. You kind of you kind of want them to succeed a little bit or at least to a degree. And and you know what? That's just kind of the nature of the nature of storytelling. You can't help but relate to the person whose perspective the story yeah. is told from. The show the show like the whole tone was just kind of like almost bright and like like maybe it was like kind of like a joke where it was kind of meant to be off-putting and how like not dark it was despite the things happening or maybe that's just a weird tone they chose i don't know or maybe my other thought was that it's possible that he they make him more charismatic in the show because you see him from someone else you're not seeing him from his own head so you can see that the people that are like this like these crazy stalkers are often charismatic people they're not like you know subway masturbators Pooping on the ground. They're often well, hey, judge not folks. lest ye be judged, Jimmy. <laughs> not that everyone that does that is bad. <laughs> One thing that might explain that, when I just was looking up the show just before we started recording, I saw that the first season was actually produced not for Netflix, but for Lifetime. Oh, that makes a lot of Where sense. Where the okay. best television comes from. <laughs> and, you know, making, making back into, you know, a good girl who's just like, you know, something terrible happens to her. You know, that sounds more like a Lifetime original movie than sort of the kind of direction where Netflix might take it. Though Netflix did produce the second season. They picked it up for the second season. The second season stays the same tone, though. The second season, I have to imagine, is different from the book. I haven't seen it or read the second book. But in in the book, he has clearly murdered his first girlfriend, Candace, because he talks about it, and how she like, you know, they, she was made him sad, so she he drowned her. But in the show, spoilers, she comes back at the end. She's like, yeah. I'm back. And it's like, well, that's not the you same. You get the impression throughout the whole show that he did kill her, especially yeah. as the show goes on, and you realize he's like murdering other people. Like, oh, that's his thing. And then she shows up at the end, and it's actually kind of fucking lame when she just shows up, and she's like, I'm back here. I'm not buying a book. And you're Maybe like, oh. she's a ghost, though. I don't know. No, I've seen the show. She's Damn right. it. But I do want to read the book. Maybe we'll do it on the podcast. We'll see. Yeah. It's worth doing. It was, it was a good book. I was surprised. I expected it to be like some dumb... I, when, I, when the show the show came out, I was like, that's going to be some dumb trash. Knowing it's for a lifetime makes me feel like it kind of was a little bit dumb trash. But the book was actually quite good. It made me really uncomfortable, but I, the whole time I thought it was really pretty well done. Yeah. Did it make you uncomfortable because you were sitting on it? <laughs> That'd be a strange way to absorb No, uh, I want to say, uh, it, so this is just, you know, how the author builds tension and stakes into a scene. Just kind of like he's, so in like, um, Joe has like broken into Beck's apartment for the first time with the gas leak thing. And he's like, but then Beck comes home and he just has to hide there. And it's just like, oh, God, oh, no, oh, no, this is going to be bad. Oh, And I just like, oh, and I literally had to turn it off. I was like, I just had to, I was actually listening to the audiobook. I guess I just spoiled that. But uh, I was like, oh, I have to just turn it off. Like, I just got to take a break. Was the audiobook creepily whispered the whole time? Because I think that would be a good effect. <laughs> it wasn't an ASMR. Uh, Should have had like, like an like, book. You did this thing, and then I came in your pants on the bed, and then, uh, you know, just, I mean, it was <laughs> like, like a weird sniff, <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a jerking off noise. That would have been really funny because there's several times in the book where he's like, "I I think about you sitting on that green pillow, and I 
come so hard. <laughs> it would have been really funny if, if the uh, audiobook did that. <laughs> Those were also really awkward. And like did the they when make the noises <laughs> did not make <laughs> the noises. <laughs> Unless they were phonetically written out in the book, the author, the audiobook narrator wouldn't do that. And so Lame. we, uh, um, where's the artistry? <laughs> so anyway, I was very, uh, but I, I did think it was well done, you know, cause it, it, it was exciting and it did. I mean, I was interested in what happened next. I just had to turn it off at points. Just had to, I just had to stop and come That's back fair. to it later. I thought it was going to be total garbage and I had already seen the show. Um, I like this way better than the show and I, I really enjoyed it. I kind of, you know, lately I don't read a lot. I mean, we have to read for the podcast, so I read that shit, but like it's often a chore more than like a thing I do for fun. Mm. It's just like, oh, I got to sit down and fucking plow through this book now. I actually really liked just reading this book. I enjoyed it. And, and partly because it is kind of, you know, it is kind of trash. Like it's not, it's not great it's literature. Thriller. All thrillers are a little bit trash. They have to be. They have to be. Um, and this That's one, the thrill. <laughs> the thrill of the dump. Um, just <laughs> <laughs> but every time, oh, this is great. This is it's breezy and entertaining, and it's silly. But I, I enjoyed it, and uh, I did enjoy the show when I watched it in 2018 when I was delirious and uh, taking care of a newborn. But it was uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you're sleep deprived. It's great. So I, I, so I, mean, I really don't remember the details of it. I mean, I, I have like vivid, weird because I was like, uh, you know, like, like not, not, not like lucid dreaming for like six weeks. <laughs> like I don't know what was happening, <laughs> um, but I remember a lot of. What's the guy's name? He has like a stupid name. It's like Page Badgley. Oh, uh, Pen Badgley. Pen Badgley. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the show was, I, I'll give it a solid 6.5, maybe a 7 on a good day. They added some other, they added like a abused boy next door, and he like saves the kid. Through literature. Yeah, through literature. And uh, that whole thing, and they, you know, kind of streamlined some cop, other stuff. Cop, uh, boy, mom's boyfriend, right? Yeah, defending the kid. And I guess they're trying to like, Breed like a sympathetic character who like likes him no matter what because he saved him. But 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 it also makes Joe a more complicated character. Yeah, because like it's like he's it's like you he's know, capable uh, of helping. It, it's only, well, it's like he has some sort of strange warped code of honor. You know, it, like certain things are wrong. Kind of like um, Negan on Walking Dead. You know, like he has things that are wrong, even though he also murders people for sport. Yeah, <laughs> but but rape is wrong. You know, in The Walking Dead. Yeah. So they do the same thing with there with Penn Badgley. Penn Badgley. Yeah. That sounds like a name from fucking Dune. That is not a real human name. So who should read this? I guess anyone who likes thrillers? Yeah, definitely. If you like thrillers, definitely. If you don't like thrillers, it's still worth it. If you liked the show, not that yeah. I saw the show, but if you liked the show, then you know you'd like this too. It's definitely darker than the show and makes him way creepier. We didn't even mention his, like, how everything... Another thing about class, everything in his apartment, he has taken from the trash. <laughs> he's a trash man. He's, he's like Oscar the Grouch. And but he's got, like, a in hole studio. in the apartment he's walls, got, and there's, like, duty on the floor, and he never and he, cleans. And he collects uh, typewriters from the trash, and he names them. Like, he's much creepier 
in the, sh- yeah. in the book than in the show. In the show, it's just like, oh, it's just this really good-looking dude who likes books, and he just has a really big crush. He's just, a, gets l- out of just a little bit into it, you know? He did jack off on a bunch of things in the show, too, so they left that part in. The, uh, I don't want to disappoint you. Season two, the jacking off continues. Oh, well, great. Then I'm going to see it eventually. We'll have to wait and see. But I guess until then, tell us what you thought. Send us an email to drunkguysbookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at drunkguysbc. Or go to Facebook and Instagram at drunkguysbookclub. And if you've listened this long, why not leave us a review? Just round up to uh, five stars, one for each time you came so hard during this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, check us out on Patreon and give us money because you love us. Thank you. And check out the Hopped Up Network, a network of independent beer podcasters. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.